The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 180 of the podcast or you're hanging out with us live here on YouTube. If you want to catch the show live, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and uh, hit the little notification bell thing so it sends you a notification whenever we're going live because I'm not going to remind you. I'm not your babysitter. Today's Sunday, March the 8th, and we're coming off of UFC 248. On the T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host, all the way from New Jersey. He's feeling under the weather today, and he's still toughed it out to join us on this show. Your favorite and mine, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Sunday evening, my friend? Daylight savings, still light outside. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a shocker nowadays. I'm I'm so used to being dark at this hour, but Bill, um, I woke up with a fever yesterday. Luckily, it broke this morning. Um, and hopefully, it's not the coronavirus because I've been coughing a lot too. But they say that if you're relatively healthy, you give it 48 hours and you'll be fine. So this is this is day two of me resting up and stuff. So I should be good for tomorrow. And if not, I had a good run. Yeah, I mean, if it is. If it isn't the coronavirus, Jeff, I think for the sake of the show, we need to have you get it just so you can give us some like live reporting on what it feels like. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> we don't have, we need some data here. I mean, we, we don't yeah, have we any to, data. Yeah, we need to know what we're up against. Yeah, so. exactly. You got to you got to put yourself out there for the good of mankind. And uh you know, may maybe if you breeze right through it, they can study you to find, like, what helps fight it off. Yeah, yeah. They can combine my DNA with Yoel Romero's DNA to make this jacked-up human being who, who can survive the coronavirus. <laughs> it's immune to the coronavirus. It, it survives completely on soup. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem. I haven't had enough soup this week. There you go, man. Yeah, what, what's up with, with mom and the Sunday soup? What's going on? She's gotten lazy, man. So, um, Bill, I'm actually going to start trying this thing that you suggested. It was that bone broth. I got it sitting on the shelf. I think I'm going to crack it open tomorrow. Yeah, there you go, kid. That'll help bring that fever down, the old bone broth. I don't know if it's like one of those things that, that works because you think it works or if it actually does something. But either way, I've, I feel like it works. So it works for me. Um, Yeah, so daylight savings. Don't forget to... Uh, Check the batteries in your smoke detectors. I always like to, to remind people of that. You know what the fucked up thing about daylight savings time is, Jeff, is nobody nobody tells a two-year-old that the clocks are going ahead an hour. So I I tried to stay up for the fights last night. I didn't make it. We'll get into that in a bit. But um, my daughter woke up an hour earlier than usual. So what would have been 5 a.m., but it was really 6 a.m. because of the clock springing ahead. And, um, man, I've just been dragging all day. Like, it, I haven't been able to catch up, but that's neither here nor there. So the the main event last night for me was was Wiley Zhang and Yuan and Chick. Um, And I think a lot of people agree. And, and the reason it's the main event for me is because I fell asleep in the middle of the first round of Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero, and I woke up on my couch – at four o'clock in the morning, wondering what the fuck happened. And, um, I, I did a little bit of, of reading and, and like, I read a couple of text messages that people sent me during the fight. And I kind of pieced together, like my intent was like, oh, I'll watch in the morning. But then in the morning when I read all my text messages and I saw what happened, I was like, you know, what would be better than watching the fight is having Jeff, the animal Wilson describe it to me <laughs> live on the air so so fill me in jeff what did i what did i miss with this uh middleweight championship bout here 
Bill, you didn't miss much, man. Um, I'll be honest with you. I I regret staying up for this one. I it, I lost valuable sleep watching this main event, man. Um, with a fever, fighting off the coronavirus to watch <laughs> these middleweights do nothing. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, dude, you know, the first round, uh, seven strikes thrown between them. Yo Romero is standing there like a statue. I felt like it was, uh, you know, those people who like stand as statues in like Times Square. And then, you know, you walk up to them and you start making faces and then they like jump to scare you. That's what it was like. <laughs> and then the second round, you know, Israel Adesanya woke up a little bit, um, you know, started using his range really well, was using uh, leg kicks very, very effectively. And they paid dividends. Uh, rounds two, three and four were basically Israel Adesanya throwing leg kicks. Um, there was this one left hand that Romero threw that put a louse on Adesanya's face, actually. Um, probably the most effective strike and probably one of the only strikes used by Yoel Romero. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the fifth round was just Romero uh, chasing Adesanya a little bit. But uh, I, I, I was just disappointed because, you know, Romero, he's had three title shots. Two of them he missed weight for. So, you know, for me... I felt like this was a little bit of redemption for him. Uh, you know, silver medalist at the Olympic Games in 2000, I want to say. And then this was his chance to get the gold, man. Um, I, I thought there was some type of strategy here where he'd take, like, the first two rounds off and then just explode for three rounds. Mm -hmm. But uh, none of that happened. Um, Adesanya did a good job of keeping his distance, using his leg kicks on Romero's lead leg. And at the end of that fight, his uh, Romero's lead leg was tenderized, man. It was all pinkish, reddish. So, you know, um, it, it was a weird fight because both of these guys are counter strikers. Yeah. But um, I felt like, you know, at the end in the post-fight interview, Romero was blaming Adesanya for how boring the fight was. But Adesanya is a champ, man. And here's the thing is you always got to take the belt from Izzy, you know. So he I felt like he needed to be the aggressor. He needed to give the judges something to score here. And that's something that um, uh, Dan Mergliata kept telling them in between, like right at the start of each round was, you know, he'd remind them to engage, to give the judges something to score. Um, but man, uh, after the co-main event, that main event was just I knew it would be hard to follow up. But it was just such a letdown, man. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a fight that people are calling the best women's MMA fight of all time. I mean, to, to follow that it is crazy, but, um, for, for me, it was such a disappointment because I feel like this card dragged out, like the timing was off. Mm. And then whenever you have two title fights at the end, like, you know, it's going to go extra late. And, um, I, I know all the, all the people that are listening, um, like over in Europe, like we got a lot of people in the UK and, and, uh, and Switzerland and, and stuff like that. You guys are all saying, fuck you, man. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> and uh, you're right. I, I feel you guys. But, you know, for me, I got a human alarm clock. Uh, that's that's going to be smacking me in the face at 645 a.m. Uh, she doesn't know it's a weekend. She doesn't know there's daylight savings. She doesn't know that I was up watching fights. But, um, yeah, I didn't make it for this one. And I, I'm, I'm kind of glad. Uh, the, the way it was dragging out and then Adesanya was walking out so slow to the cage and like, he didn't even do any like flashy dance moves. He's just walking like a zombie. I'm like, come on, man. And, uh, <laughs> maybe if he walked to the cage a little quicker, I would have stayed up for the fight, but, uh, didn't make it. And I, I don't know, man, I don't know what's next here. Uh, I guess it's going to be Paulo Costa and Israel Adesanya. Uh, you definitely can't make a super fight with John Jones after a performance like this. Uh, but one question I have for you, Jeff, I was, I was reading a lot of people were saying they thought Romero won the fight. Um, Justin Gaethje was even saying he scored a four to one. Uh, I see you already shaking your head, but for the audio only listeners, uh, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely not, man. Uh, I think that if you thought Romero won that fight, um, you probably fell asleep after the first round as well, because, um, you know, Izzy's output was was a lot more. It was like 18 strikes to like seven each round. Uh, Romero landed two or three really big shots. But other than that, man, it was all Israel Adesanya. Uh, there were times where Romero wasn't even 
you know, throwing punches. I think the mm. third round, I don't think he threw a single strike that landed. So, you know, um, you know, I try to be nice about this stuff, but uh, I, I don't know what fight you were watching if you thought Romero won. Yes, he landed the bigger punches, but if when you only land three punches and your opponent lands 45 strikes on you, mm. there's no comparison. Um, and, you know, Izzy was being smart. Um, and, you know, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, John Jones, they've all had their boring fights. You know, mm -hmm. they had fights where they fought to win. Yeah. And a lot of times that meant being boring. So Israel Adesanya went in there with the right game plan. He stayed away from Romero's left hand, which, you know, we've seen what that left hand can do to people. Just ask Luke Rockhold. Yeah. Um, you know, ask uh, Robert Whitaker. You know, after ten rounds with that guy, I don't think he's the same person. No, not um, even close. Yeah, uh, same with uh, Paulo Costa. You know, he needed bicep surgery after his fight with Yoel Romero, and I'm not, you know, attributing that surgery to just that fight. Maybe it was a lingering injury, but the fact remains that Izzy went in there with the right game plan. He stayed away from Romero's power, was beating up that leg. Um. And every time that Romero went to take him down, Izzy either stuffed the takedown or popped right back up. I, I actually think that Romero was not credited with any takedowns. Hmm. Uh, there was one where he kind of had Izzy on the floor, but uh, Adesanya just used the cage to pop right back up. So, um, you know, credit to Adesanya. Was it the most exciting fight? No, but, you know, I'm not going to deny that Israel Adesanya won that fight. All right, fair enough. I'll take your word for it because... I have no intention of going back and, and watching this fight. One stat that I did read um, that was kind of mind-blowing was that the co-main event between Zhang and Janjacek combined, they landed 130 more strikes than were attempted in the main event. And that, to me, was like a pretty staggering number. So let's get into this co-main event here, which you know a lot of people already saying the greatest – uh, women's fight of all time. Uh, these two were so back and forth. Like uh, for me, by the end, I I thought that Joanna uh, probably outpointed Zhang throughout the course of the fight, but because of the way she looked at the end, I knew she wasn't she wasn't going to get that title. Um, so for anyone who didn't see it, Joanna had a huge hematoma that that would you say quadrupled the size of her forehead? I mean, it oh, was, yeah. it was pretty grotesque. She looked, she looked like an alien. Um, I, I hope they got her right to a hospital and, and were able to scan that thing and, and do something to get the swelling down, drain it. I don't know. Um, I don't know what, what you even do for that. Uh, so, uh, in any case, I, I thought that Zhang had more moments in the fight where she was slowing down. And then she caught a second win somewhere like in the middle of the fourth round and she was able to turn the gas on um, and, and they were just going back and forth. I It was very obvious to me that she was landing the harder shots, but that Joanna had the more uh, technical striking by far. Um, the, the problem was she would land like a five, six, seven piece combination and then wasn't getting out. Um, I, I think she was having more success when she was landing the twos and threes and, and getting out quick because when she was staying in there for the four or five, six, seven piece combination, she was getting countered. Uh, and when she got countered, it did damage it as evident by the way her head uh, ballooned up there. So give me your thoughts on this co-main event here, Jeff. Bill, this fight was absolutely nuts. People are saying it's the greatest uh, title fight in women's MMA history. I agree with that 100%. I think it's probably one of the best title fights in MMA history overall. Um, it's right mm -hmm. up there with Alexander Gustafson versus John Jones, which actually got put into the Hall of Fame uh, last night, which, I, you know, is pretty awesome. I, that's probably one of my top five fights of all time. Um, mm -hmm. And Zhang versus Joanna is probably in there at this point as well. Um, dude, I was just really impressed with Zhang's tenacity because I was concerned – after the second round, you know, in the second round, she was looking tired. She was taking some deep breaths. <clears throat> and I was worried because, uh, you know, there there's three more rounds to go after this, you know, if mm -hmm. nobody gets finished soon. So I felt like, 
you know, she did a great job of, you know, getting that second wind. Uh, and you, I think you're right, Bill. Somewhere in that fourth round, after like two and a half minutes, she, mm-hmm. she was, you know, moving around a lot more. Um, and, dude, the thing is, I felt like at the end of this fight, I couldn't tell you who won. Yeah. I had no idea. Had no idea who won this fight. Uh, you know, I would hate to be a judge for fights like this. And I feel like usually the judges get it wrong. I did not feel that way with this particular fight, but I could have seen it going for Joanna. I I agree Mm -hmm. with you, Bill. I think that the way she looked definitely did not help her case. Dude, she looked like a different person at the end of this fight, man. Uh, Or Uh, not even a person. Yeah, yeah. She looked like Predator when he takes his uh, his helmet off and his (laughs) mouth is like... (laughs) Or like Alien with the forehead. Like Hank got like that hangover forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely something out of science fiction and you know, Joanna got pieced up, man. Her nose was, was in a little bit of an S shape. Um, so I felt like Joanna definitely outstruck Wiley Zhang, but, uh, Zhang was just so tough in there and, you know, she hits so hard, dude. I, I think that this is one of those fights where Joanna's going to need a long time to recover. Um, you know, she's been in some wars, but uh, nothing like that, man. Yeah. And, and I'd love to see them replay it somewhere down the line, but, uh, I I honestly could have seen it going either way. I I had no idea who won at the end of this. And, And so many five round fights. Uh, you know, her, her last fight with, uh, with Michelle Waterson was, uh, was a three rounder, but it, that was, that was an absolute war that fight. Um, so there was a lot of damage there. And then before that, um, Shevchenko, you know, went to distance with her. Um, that, that was one of the more exciting fights, uh, in women's MMA history as well. So it seems like, uh, one of the key ingredients to the best fights in women's MMA history is Joanna and Jacek. And, um, you know, she's, she's been, it seems if you look at her record, she's been on like a downward spiral, but it's not like her performances are getting worse. Like she's looking good in there every time. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's unfortunate for her because, you know, the talent level is raising and, and she's got to deal with that. As for Zhang, I feel like she's real dense for 115, man. I don't know what yeah. her weight cut is like, um, but she's 30 years old, and and I can tell you from personal experience, after 30, uh, the weight doesn't come off as as easy anymore. So I'm thinking there's an in, inevitable move up for Zhang, maybe after two more fights or so, uh, and, and we may see her uh, meeting up with Valentina Shevchenko or whoever may be the flyweight champion at that point, but. Um, yeah, it, it it'll be interesting to see to see what's next uh, for Wiley Zhang here. Um, she's she's coming pretty close to cleaning this division out, uh, and then there'll be nothing left to do but move up. But I think if Yuana takes a good amount of time off and then uh, gets one win under her belt, they would definitely run this one back, in my opinion. Um, let's move on down the card here, Jeff. This is actually a pretty fantastic card, despite yeah. the fact that. Um, you know, the, the pacing was, seemed way off, uh, Benil Dariush, uh, and Drakkar close. This was one of the best rounds of the whole night. The second round of this fight where, uh, it, it was only a minute long, but Drakkar close rocked Benil Dariush. It looked like he was going to finish him. He went to swarm on him and then, uh, Dariush comes back and rocks Drakkar close and puts him down and out for the count and that that finishing shot i think it was a i think it was like an overhand left uh and, and i watched it in slow motion and you could see Drakkar close's head shake as he went down and his mouthpiece popped out and he was he was done for um credit to Drakkar close in this fight because he had benil dariush high level grappler on his back for a good portion of that first round and he survived there um and, and then he had Darius hurt, and then uh, you know Darius showed he, he he has some hands. So, uh, give me your thoughts here, Jeff. Oh yeah, dude. This you know, and this was one of my picks as one of the most exciting fights on this card. And Bill, I even texted you when this one was over about how good this fight was going to be. Um, 
Dude, you know, two Warriors are in, the, in there close, only has only had one loss on his record heading into this one. And, you know, we knew he was good on the feet. Um, but I didn't think that he'd be able to hold off Darius's. <laughs> you all right there, Bill? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice save, bud. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't spill it. For those of you who can't see, I almost spilled my beer. But I did it. I have I still have well, sorry, Jeff. Keep going. Of course. I mean, this is an amateur hour. We we knew you weren't gonna spill anything. I would have laid uh, out for it, Jeff. I would have I would <laughs> I would have made sure that none of it's spilled. But, go ahead. Tell me about this fight. Yeah, dude. Uh super exciting. And you know. Credit to Drakkar Close, uh, being able to hold off Be uh, Benio Dariush's, you know, grappling attack. Especially, um, he he kept you know hand fighting, uh, and you know Close just doing the right things here. But in that in that second round, man, after he hurt Benio Dariush, he got cocky, dude. He stopped picking his his shots. He just started swarming him, and Dariush made him pay for it, man. And you knew it was bad when the mouthpiece came out, man. Mm -hmm. When the mouthpiece comes out, you know it's a hard shot. Uh, so super exciting fight. Um, and, Bill, I agree with you, man. This card top to bottom was just really, really exciting. It dragged a little bit, but I, you know, I wasn't too upset with that because of the quality of each fight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's keep going down the line because we got a lot to cover here. Neil Magny, man, looked phenomenal against Jingliang Li. Uh, so Li making his United States debut. Did we confirm this? Um, yeah. So first time fighting in the States. Uh, every other fight he's had has been in China. Uh, he's been one of the biggest superstars to come out of China so far. Uh, they really wanted to test him here with Neil Magny, who's a grizzled veteran who weaponizes pace and it's just good everywhere. And, and he just, he just puts a pace on guys that if you're not an elite level fighter, you're going to crumble under that pressure. And that's what happened with Lee. Uh, he came out strong in the first round and he was throwing big shots. Uh, but you know, if you don't put Neil Magny out, he's he's not going to stop. That guy is relentless, and a lot of people forget how good he is, um, and and the wins that he has. Um, you know, you look at Neil Magny's resume, and and the people he's been in there with. It's like, damn, this guy has been a high level fighter for a long time, and he was all over Jing Liang Li in this fight. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill. So I made a mistake here. Uh, it's not. Lee Jing Liang's first fight in the United States. He's actually had a couple fights, but that's my mistake. I should have looked that up before we started. Uh, Whatever. Ah, fake um, news. Fake news. Yeah. MMA on the rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, I was really impressed with Neil Magny. Um, you know, he really reminded everybody how good he is at the welterweight division. And he just made such a good use of his reach and length, man. Uh, there was one point, I think it was the second, it was the first or second round where Neil Magny had Li Jingliang, um, and one of he had him kind of wrapped up in like a hug and like a bear hug from behind. And uh, Neil Magny was just able to use his reach to really wrap up Li Jingliang, and you know, e even up close in close quarters, his reach was useful because mm -hmm. he was pinning uh, Li Jingliang's arm down and just. His other arm had the freedom to just, you know, punch Jing Liang in the face. And, um, you know, Li Jing Liang just could never get going. Um, if the fight was uh, in the clinch, if it was at distance, Neil Magny was just in full control, man. Um, credit to Li Jing Liang because in the third round, you know, he had Neil Magny on top of him for basically the entire round. And, you know, Jing Liang had to realize it was kind of over at that point. Um you know, good performance from Neil Magny, especially because Li Jingliang's a tough dude, man. Um, you know, he's got some impressive wins under his belt as well. So, Bill, what did you think of Neil Magny's call out here? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I, I know you texted me that, um, you know, maybe he hasn't earned a fight with Michael Chiesa yet, but uh, I think it's an interesting fight, man. Uh, the two guys that are that are pretty solid everywhere, I think. Magny probably has a striking advantage. Uh, he has his grappling is a little, uh, a little cleaner. He, he's got uh, more finishing ability on the ground, but 
you know, Magny's hung in there with Damian Maya, um, uh, and, and did okay against them. Uh, so I think it's a fun fight. I, I think there's a lot of fun fights for Neil Magny. I would like to see him get back to being more active. Uh, you know, here's a guy who, uh, I think holds the record. He, he he's tied for the record of most fights in a year in a calendar year with the UFC. Um, in any case, I liked it. Uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Did, did you change your mind at all? Yeah, after after hearing what what you had to say, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see Neil Magny against Michael Kessa. I think that's a really good fight to make. Um, I think that they're two of the bigger guys in this welterweight division. So, you know, I'd like to see who can make better use of the grappling and the, the reach advantage. Um, yeah. you know, I, I'd like to see how Michael Kessa goes about um, getting inside Neil Magny's guard here. Um, you know, Magny, long dude, he had about eight inches of reach on mm -hmm. Lee Jingliang, which, you know, he did such a good job of using that. So I'd like to see how he does against Michael Kessa. And, you know, Michael Kessa, really good grappler, black belt in jiu-jitsu, but Neil Magny's no slouch on the ground either. So I think that's a good fight to make at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, fun fight that I don't want to spend too much time on, and it, and it was really close. Uh, Cowboy Oliveira and Max Griffin, this was a bloody one. Uh, the way I saw it, uh, Cowboy lured Max Griffin into his game plan, which is more of a brawling Muay Thai style. You know, Max Griffin does his best work when he stays composed and throws straight punches down the pipe um, and, and mixes in his wrestling. Uh, with you know, it's, it's surprised his, his wrestling is kind of surprising. I think he, yeah. I think he was second for most takedowns in 2019. Um, and I think he was only second to Curtis blades. Um, we got, uh, Tom, Tom making a comment here. He wants to fight for five rounds, Magni and Kiesa, just to see the two cardio machines go at it. I'm all for that, man. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, but give me your thoughts on the Oliveira Griffin fight. Oh, Bill, I think that this could have easily been fight of the night if it weren't for uh, Wiley versus Joanna. Um, you know, so back and forth. Going into the third round, I had this kind of at a round apiece. Um, but, you know, Oliveira did it, like you said, Oliveira did a good job of letting Max Griffin fall into his game. Uh, you know, like you said, Max Griffin, a very technical striker. His his wrestling, I feel, is really underrated um, because he doesn't need to use it super often because of how good his striking is. But Alex Oliveira, man, uh, turned this into a scrap and mm -hmm. just did such a good job of in the third round, you know, changing the pace, using his grappling more, staying on top of Max Griffin for basically the whole round. So uh, really, really good fight from both of these guys. Um, and, you know, I thought Oliveira deserved the win. Um, you know, he bloodied Max Griffin up. Um, and, and in that third round, it was just everywhere. You know, you could see it going into his eyes. So, yeah. you know, credit to Max Griffin because he is a warrior, man. Yeah, he's a he's a tough dude, and he's a guy who who flies under the radar. He's got a lot yeah. of big wins in the USC, but he doesn't have like the personality that that makes him stand out in people's minds. So unfortunately for Max Griffin, um, a lot of those wins have gone unremembered. Uh, moving on down here, Sean O'Malley back after a two year layoff because of a tainted supplement issue or or something like that. I didn't follow too closely on that one. Uh, big win for him though coming off from so much time off and, and looking fantastic against a tough dude in Jose Quinones, um, you know, who's, who's not an easy out for anybody. And, and O'Malley made it look like it was a total mismatch in there. Um, dropped him hard and, and then finished him off with some hammer fists. Give me your thoughts on the sugar show here, Jeff. Yeah, dude. O'Malley looked great in there. Uh, you know, he looked like he didn't miss a beat in the two years off. And, you know, good for him because, like you said, Canona is not an easy task for anybody. And, you know, um, O'Malley put him away in the first round. So good for him. Yeah, man. And uh, that's it. I mean, we we, we heard Marab Duwalas really call out O'Malley. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I don't think that fight's going to happen. I don't think the UFC wants to put O'Malley in there uh, with a guy who has such tenacious grappling. Um, 
I, I think they want to they want to keep putting them in there with guys who are going to stand up with them. But you know, maybe down the line, that's a that's a fight we could see. There's a lot of fun fights for O'Malley. I want to see him move up and fight Chase Hooper hmm. uh, at 145, just because I feel like it would look like the good and evil version of the same guy fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like. Like O'Malley looks like Chase Hooper with base tattoos. <laughs> and um I think I think that would be fun just for the parody of it. Because I love parody, Jeff. Um Mark O'Madson. Uh damn, this guy has some insane smothering wrestling pressure that just looks so uncomfortable. I mean, it's not the most exciting way to put on a fight. Uh, but if you're a fan of grappling and you've been in these positions, you understand what he's doing to his opponents and the way he makes them carry his weight and lets them up just enough and then smushes them back down just to break their spirit. Uh, it's pretty impressive to watch. And it's even more impressive when you consider the fact that Austin Hubbard was still in this fight in the third round and he was throwing big bombs and he rocked Madsen uh, late in the fight and and it had him pretty dazed. Um, but Madsen shoot, uh, showed that he could take a punch in addition to having world-class uh, wrestling. Silver medalist in the Olympics as a wrestler um, and bringing that to MMA now. He, he's got a lot of holes to fill, and he's got a lot of catching up to do. But that wrestling man, uh, you know, just the thought of a, of a matchup between him and like a Kamaru Usman or a Colby Covington down the line, uh, is really intriguing to me. Uh, I mean, he's nowhere near ready for that yet, but you know, just the fact that it could be a possibility uh, somewhere down the line is really interesting to me. Uh, did you catch this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude. Mark Madsen making a statement here. Um, you know, his wrestling is vicious, dude. He doesn't let you come up for air. And, um, you know, credit to Austin Hubbard here because in the third round, you know, he started making a comeback. Um, you know, all the judges had a 29, 28. That's how I had it too. I had Hubbard winning that third round, but man, Mark Madsen, dude, he just puts this pressure and a pace on you. It, mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it reminds me of, of Khabib, you know, Nurmagomedov here. And, you know, that's something we can see down the line too. Um, you know, if Madsen starts stringing some wins together, which he, you know, he's already in the process of doing, that'd probably be a fun fight too, somewhere down the line. Yeah, man. Um, that, that pressure is just like so it makes you feel claustrophobic to watch because uh, you know what he's doing and he, and you know that he's just like he he's not giving you any air to breathe like you're just trying to come up for air and every time you get close to the surface you get pulled back down uh, so it's that kind of feeling like if you've ever been like s swimming or snorkeling or something and and you try to go up for air when you like desperately need it. Imagine if you got pulled back down right at the moment when you're about to breach the, the surface of the water. It's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable to watch uh, somebody with such smothering pressure like that. But I was impressed with Austin Hubbard for the fact that he was able to keep swinging in that third round. Uh, moving on, Rodolfo Vieira, world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, multiple-time world champion, Pan-American world champion, all all kinds, like every credential you could have, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, the guy is built like a fucking action figure. Uh, in there against uh, Safarbek Safarov, who is built like, you know, any dad at a barbecue in, in Russia. Uh, <laughs> but so I was like kind of pulling for Safarov when this fight started. I was like, man, it would be kind of cool to see him like looking like that and beating a guy who looks like uh, Vieira. But, um, you know, Vieira eventually getting it done with that arm triangle. Uh, credit to Safarov. He survived with Vieira on his back. And the guy, the guy is a choking machine. So for the fact that he was able to hang in there for so long um, and, and withstand the, the, the back attack of Vieira was impressive. But uh, the interesting thing about this is, is if Vieira didn't finish this fight in the first round, uh, he probably would have lost via doctor stoppage because his eye was completely swollen shut. It was pretty gruesome. Uh, it, it was not as bad as the hematoma that Ioana Janjacek had in a co-main event, but the location of it, you know, made it so that his eye was swollen shut. Um, 
and and yeah, they probably had a, had a slice his eyeball open and, and drain some fluid out of there. But um, impressive performance by Vieira. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, man, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think he needed to win in that round because you know the it, you know after when they raised his hand, you could see that eye was shut, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know the doctor is not going to allow that to continue. So good, good call. Um, Safarov's a tough dude, man. He survived a lot longer than I thought he would in there. Um, you know, Vieira is is a, a triangular strangler, dude. Um, you know, undefeated. I think all of his wins have come by submission at this point uh, in the UFC. Don't quote me on that. But, uh, yeah, a tough dude, man. Um, and, you know, he looks like he's ready to make a splash in his middleweight division. So uh, we'll see, man. I'd like to see him take a little bit of a step up in competition. And then let's see what he's got, man, because, you know, I, I don't see anybody uh, challenging – um, Israel Adesanya anytime soon besides Paulo Costa, but um, you know, it, we'll see, we'll see what Paulo Costa has for Adesanya. So, this middleweight division, yeah, it's getting interesting, Bill. You, you are correct, he he has submitted every opponent in the UFC, um, both of them. <laughs> so, there's been he's only had two fights in the UFC, he, he's finished every one of his fights by submission except one. He does have a TKO victory in the ACB promotion, whatever that may be. Um, moving right along here. This one is another one that could have been fighting the night. In my opinion, Gerald Mearshart and Duran win on the prelims. These guys were both landing some big bombs on each other. Um, a, a physical mitch mismatch, uh, Mearshart at six, one and Duran win stands at about five, eight or, I think it's five, eight. I think he's by far the shortest guy in the middleweight division, but man, when he closes that distance, he lands some, he lands some nasty uppercuts. His wrestling is top notch. Um, this was really back and forth. I think Deron Wynn was landing the bigger shots here. Uh, but then when Gerald Mearshart got on top in that third round or, or no, 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 sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. He rocked Duran win really badly with a lot of big shots, chased him down, dragged him to the ground with a front headlock, took his back, sunk in a rear naked choke that wasn't even under the chin, but that black belt squeeze, man, he, he was just able to get the tap out of Duran win. Uh, this is one of the most exciting fights on the card in my opinion. So if you guys missed this one, uh, go back and, uh, Go back and check it out. Uh, did you did you catch this one, Jeff? Yeah, man, super exciting. Definitely happy for Gerald Mearshart. You know, we've talked about how good of a fighter he is, uh, and when he shows up, he comes to play, man. And you know, great submission in the third round. Um, you know, and Darren wins a tough dude, man. So very good feather in Gerald Mearshart's cap here. Yeah, Mearshart um, needed a big win here. He was coming off that that controversial loss to. Uh, What's his name? Your boy. Oh, um, why can't I remember? Um, uh, Eric Anders. Yeah. Eric Anders. Um, that was in Tampa not too long ago. Um, so yeah, that was a really fun fight. Uh, glad to see Gerald Mearshart get back in the wind column. And then, uh, the last fight I want to talk about, uh, cause I didn't see the first fight. So if you did, Jeff, you can fill me in. Um, Giga Chikadze uh, getting a split decision victory over Jamal Emers. This was the only one on the whole card that I feel like the judges just got plain wrong. Um, I thought that Chikadze won the first round and Emers easily won the first, uh, I mean, the, the second two. Uh, Chikadze came out big in the first round, throwing a lot of big kicks and stuff. Um, but then when Emmers held him up against the cage a little bit and, and got him grappling, you could see his arms got heavy real quick. You could tell he, he doesn't do a whole lot of grappling. His grappling defense wasn't terrible, um, you know, because he didn't get submitted or anything, but his whole plan is to just hold on to you tight until it gets stood back up. And then in the second round, Emmers busted out some wrestling out of nowhere, man. He, he hit this double leg. That was one of the most beautifully timed double legs I've ever seen. And it, it was just seamless. Like he just swept Chikadze right off his feet, put him on his back, uh, passed his guard, and, and then went to work. He wound up getting swept there. 
Um, I don't know what the judges were looking at at this one, man, but I feel like, uh, I feel like Jamal Emmer's really got robbed in this fight. Um, but I guess good for, for Chikadze. Uh, give me your thoughts here, Jeff, on this, uh, Bantam weight. No, no, no. I don't uh, know. it looks like it was a featherweight bout. Yeah, featherweight. Um, unfortunately I did not catch this one. Um, but I, uh, I'll probably have to go back and check it out. Um, Especially because I'm a fan of the grappling. But, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't uh, get to watch this one. But, you know, uh, it's Vegas. So, you know, I'm not surprised of judges uh, getting fights wrong here. No, um, I did want to talk about one quick thing before we move on. Um, is is that opening fight? Well, two things. One is the opening fight, you know, um, Donna Batgarel versus Guido Canetti. Um, and, you know, it was very back and forth at the beginning. And then about three minutes into the first round, um, Dana just uh, slips this one shot and hits uh, Guido Canelli, Canetti with a kind of like a hook and jab at the same mm -hmm. time. It was like it was thrown as a jab, but it was a hook too. It, you got you got to watch it to see what I'm talking about. The old but, hook jab. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a fusion of those two punches. <laughs> but man, um, you know, just put Gennetti down as soon as it landed, uh, and it was just so well timed. Uh, you know, one of those knockouts where um, nobody really sees it coming, but it's so sweet when when you go back and watch it. Uh, so uh, you know, top to bottom, I thought this card was absolutely fantastic. Bill, there was only one fight that never happened on this card, and you know, we've talked about it before. Um, you know, Emily Whitmire misses weight by a pound and a half to fight Pollyanna, uh, Viana. Uh, but, uh, Bill, you know, she chooses not to take the hour to lose the weight. You know, she's ready to fight, but Bill, she looked terrible, absolutely terrible for the weigh-ins on Friday. You know, she was shake. You could see her shaking. She was a super out of it. Like mm -hmm. she kind of didn't know what was going on around her. And then Saturday, Saturday, uh, she needs to go to the emergency room. So bill, what, what do you think we like a commission can do here with terms of weight cutting? Because we've seen some of the negative effects here time and time again. I think, um, you know, they need to be a little bit more diligent, like measuring hydration levels. And, and if you're not at a certain level, like you're not even going to be allowed to cut weight. Uh, and once people, it, it'll be, it'll be a little bit, um, it'll be a little bit, it'll take a little while for it to, to take effect. And then, um, after a while, people will just move up and wait. Um, the other thing is like, they got to start deducting points if you miss weight because the, the financial penalties aren't doing it. You know, people are willing to pay that 30%, um, of their purse to be able to cheat. Um, and, and I think that's what really needs to happen. You gotta, you just gotta have like some stricter things. I see you laughing over here, Jeff. What's going yeah, on? I'm just laughing at some of the comments here because uh, Tom Tom said that uh, that that uh, that was like getting attacked by a saltwater crocodile when he took him down. And then Matt Temple replied, uh, "Tom Tom, just head over and roll with the animal. Rest of a crocodile would be about half that." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. We've rolled together a few times. I can only remember some of them. Um, but uh <laughs> and Matt's yeah. wrestled a crocodile. I've seen it. I seen him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fun times. Um yeah so uh speaking of friends of ours Jeff the Southpaw outlaw mm. Serena De Jesus fighting in the Invicta tournament. I didn't know this was a tournament until I turned it on and I only tuned in to watch Serena. Uh, so she won her first fight, looked good in there. Um, unanimous decision. I was like, oh, great, good for her. And then I I knew there was a, a bantamweight tournament going on, but I didn't know you had to fight multiple times in one night. Like I mm. thought, I thought we'd left that back in pride, like yeah. back in the medieval times of MMA. But <laughs> apparently it's still a thing. So Serena fights again, goes to decision, loses a decision, 
Uh, she was very unhappy with the judges scores in that one. Um, but you know, Vegas gonna Vegas, but shout out to Serena for fucking getting in there fighting two times in one night. I mean, that that's six rounds of fighting. Um, and, and being more active in those six rounds than, uh, Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero. So big shout out to our buddy Serena. Um, and, and it looked like she recovered just fine from, from fighting twice in one night. So she's a fucking savage. Um, I, I'm happy for her, for the fact that she picked up her first win in Invicta and then she looked good in the second fight too. So I'm sure they're going to keep her around. Um, so yeah, uh, a big shout out to her. Um, any thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, huge shout out to Serena. You know, two fights in one night, and then she was still at UFC two forty eight last night. Uh-huh. You know, she was posting on Twitter, she didn't have the best seats in the world, but you know, she was there. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, dude, huge shout out to to um, to Serena here, and, and I'm glad that we can kind of you know watch her on her journey here. Um, you know, Invicta's definitely um a really good organization to be with you know they're under the ufc so you know we, we can see some big things from serena um i think sooner rather than later so good for her getting her first win um and you know she's a tough chick man so i'm sure she's gonna be in the wing column again really soon hell yeah man i say this uh, every time we bring her up but one of my favorite people in, yeah. in in this mixed martial arts world which is you know a pretty small community um if you think about it, there, there's only a few degrees of separation. You know, when you get to know people in this community and you start talking a little bit like, oh, I've trained with so-and-so and, oh, I know them and, oh, I've sparred with them a few times. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty small world uh, once you really get into it. Uh, awesome card coming up next weekend, Jeff. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the beer I almost spilled before. So this is a, a half acre beer company um, and they're out of Chicago, Illinois. And this is a, a pretty difficult beer to find around here. Uh, and this one is a double dry hopped IPA. It's called Shores. It's 7% alcohol. I've been staying away from the beer um, lately. Jeff been sticking to the bourbon, just, uh, you know, beef season and everything coming up. But um when I saw this beer in the grocery store, I, I knew that uh, this brewery is hard to come by around here. So I, I picked up a four pack and um, it's nice. So double dry hop IPA is just a fancy way of saying they put hops in it twice. They put hops in before the beer is fermented and then they put hops in again after the beer is fermented just to give it a little hoppier flavor, uh, which usually gives the beer kind of like a real bitterness. Um, but then they do other things like adding lactose sugars and things like that to kind of smooth out the bitterness. And this one, um, is not very sugary. Um, like they, I don't think they added lactose to it, but it doesn't have that bitter aftertaste. So it's a, it's a nice IPA and, uh, you know, these 16 ounce cans at 7%, but one and a half of those. And, uh, and you're feeling pretty nice. It's not like, it's not like the old days, Jeff, where you had to, you had to put back like 15 bush lights before you, you catch a buzz. Or um, For me, it was Miller High Life. That was my go-to back in the college days. Eleven ninety nine for a 30-pack. And uh, it's a champagne of beers, you know? Yeah, for me, it was the Blue Ribbon, man. Ah, uh, PBR. Ruined, yeah. by, ruined by hipsters everywhere. <laughs> I know. I do like a nice PBR still every now and then. There was a... There was a bar in in uh, Lower Manhattan. I think it was on the Lower West Side. It's called the Cabin, the Cabin with a K. I don't know if I ever took you there, Jeff, but um, you go there and get a a PBR and a shot of Well whiskey for three bucks, and that's in oh, Manhattan. Man. That's unheard of. Um, yeah, that's the best deal in town, dude. Yeah, it was a fucking dump. I loved it. <laughs> the the closest I could think of was um this bar in. Actually, right by right outside of the Barclays, because um, I remember I was there for that first ESPN card uh-huh. when uh, the UFC had the deal with ESPN uh, when it was TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo. So right before that, my friends and I go to this bar and for seven bucks, you got a Tecate and a shot of tequila. So that's probably the closest thing that I could think of 
to that good of a deal for three bucks. Uh, mm -hmm. This one was seven. So, you know, a little bit more, but yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are some gems. Yeah. And I don't know what the fuck that well whiskey was, but um, yeah, it, it does the trick, man. And uh, I don't know if that was a happy hour, if they just did that all the time. Uh, it's the cabin was never a place you go to. The cabin is a place you end up. <laughs> you never said like oh i set out to go to the cabin last night it's like i wound up at the cabin last night and then people pretty much like people who know new york pretty much know how your night went like you went and got a 99 cent slice after that <laughs> the gypsy butts home. <laughs> only people from new york new jersey know what i'm talking about right now um oh, yeah. But yeah, let's uh let's get into this fight night. We got another question from Tom Tom. He wants to know if a fight's ever been stopped because of hematomas. Um, I, I kind of addressed that earlier, but not completely. So it depends on the location. So if the hematoma is on the forehead and it's just kind of bulb bulbing out, um, it definitely could be stopped. Um, I would I would like to get a, a cage side position to comment on this, like what would make them stop it because you know, if that thing takes like a big impact, like if you take a shin to that uh, and it bursts, you, you get some really bad internal bleeding. So it would have to be like really looked at and really assessed. But if the hematoma is like over the eye to the point where the eye is swollen shut, we've seen that a bunch of times and, and fights have been stopped. Um, you know, one recent example was the Cowboy Cerrone. Um, and uh, was it Justin Gaethje? I don't when, think so. When Cerrone uh, tried had a broken nose and he tried to blow his nose and it caused the hematoma that swelled made his eye swell shut. Oh, Tony actually, Ferguson. No, no, I think yeah, the first time I think that might have been Justin Gage. Yeah. All right, somebody look that up and, and get back to us. In any case, yes, they they will stop fights because of hematomas. Uh, it just depends on the location. Uh, good question. All right, so let's get into this UFC Fight Night One Seventy. Uh, this is going to be in Brazil, uh, in a place I've never heard of. Um, oh, Brasilia, Brasilia, Brazil. Um, Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira. Kevin Lee, man, you got to give him credit. Uh, oh, it was Tony Ferguson. Thank yeah, you, Matt right. Temple, yep. for for yep. pointing that for uh, hitting us with that fact right there. Matt's going to be our uh, our our young Jamie today. He's going <laughs> to. Like from the Joe Rogan. Um, so Kevin Lee taking on Charles Oliveira. You got to give credit to Kevin Lee, man. Um, you know, a couple losses, a couple of things didn't go his way, and he's getting back in there with tougher opponents than he needs to. You know, Gregor Gillespie was a very dangerous fight for him to take, and he got in there, head kicked the fuck out of him. Um, and now he's taking on Charles Oliveira, who holds the record for most submissions in UFC history. Give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jim. Well, I'm excited, man. But I think that Kevin Lee has a very tough task ahead of him, man. Charles Oliveira, you know, his takedown game is pretty solid. And, you know, <clears throat> even if it's not, his ground game is vicious, dude. You know, mm -hmm. he can get submissions from just about anywhere. His striking has improved a little bit as well. Um, Kevin Lee definitely wins this fight if it stays on the feet. But I don't think that... Charles Oliveira is somebody he's going to want to take to the ground. So I think Kevin Lee's going to have to rely on his game on the feet here. Um, but, Bill, overall, this whole card looks really, really good, man. Yeah, I, I'm actually much more excited for this card than when I initially looked at the UFC 248 card. Um, we got Damian Maia and Gilbert Burns, man. If this fight goes to the ground, this is going to be a spectacle. Um, two of the best grapplers, period. Not just in MMA, two of the best grapplers in the world. Um, you know, Damian Maya, Abu Dhabi champion from back in the day. Gilbert Burns still competes actively in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, moving up to welterweight for this one, for this opportunity. Uh, Gilbert Burns, man, one of the most underrated guys. I say this all the time in combat sports. I mean, this is a guy who it's like, you tell me the date and what the rule sets are, and and I'll be there. That's Gilbert Burns. All right, we're doing MMA uh, March 14th and March 15th. We're doing, um, you know, Abu Dhabi trials. Cool. Uh, I'll be there. You know, let me know. Um, 
send a car for me or don't. I'll get there. I'll walk. <laughs> like, fucking Gilbert Burns is an animal. Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Oh, dude, this one's going to be a barn burner, man. Uh, both of them really skilled on the ground. I think Gilbert Burns has a little bit more power in his hands if it stays on the feet. But, yeah, that's one I'm excited to see. Um, and, Bill, I think we just finished watching Gilbert Burns compete in Submission Underground like two or three weeks ago. So uh, super excited for this one. Um, there's a whole bunch of fights here I want to watch. Hanato Moikano versus Demir Hadzovic is going to be good. Mm -hmm. Johnny Walker versus Nikita Krylov. Francisco Ternaldo versus John McDessie. Um, Eliseo Zaleski Dos Santos is on here. Juicy A. Formiga versus Brandon Moreno looks good. Um, Ronda Marcos is fighting on this card as well. Marina Morose. Uh, uh -huh. Bill, top to bottom, this this card looks amazing, dude. You know those cards in Brazil. They don't let they don't let you down, man. Yeah. Randa Marcos getting in there against Amanda Hibas, who's gonna be uh hometown girl, I believe. And then the one you skipped over that I'm really excited for, uh, another really great grappling matchup is Ronnie Yaya and uh, Enrique Barzola. Um that's going to be a really fun one. Um, yeah, man, uh, up and down. This is, this is an awesome card. Um, you know, they're, they're really, they're really giving Brazil a show here. Um, you know, Damian Maia getting in there. Uh, that's going to be big for the Brazilian fans. Um, this, this is a really awesome card. Charles Oliveira headlining. Um, you know, if you're a Brazilian fan going to this event, like, what could be better than this card? Except, you know, if you throw like Anderson Silva in there or something. Yeah. Uh, but that, I got to say, if I'm looking up and down this card and I got to pick one that's going to be like the biggest barn burner, I'm looking at Francisco Trinaldo and John McDessie, man. That's going to be a fun fight. Those are two guys who throw hard from bell to bell. Uh, and, and there's going to be something spectacular that happens in that fight. Uh, I have a feeling. So, man, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, yeah, I'm really man. looking forward to it. Yeah, dude, for me, it's Johnny Walker versus Nikita Krylov, man. I think somebody's going to sleep in that fight. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Johnny Walker responds to, you know, his first big loss in the UFC, getting knocked out. Um you know, coming in with, with so much momentum and, and getting derailed. And Nikita Krylov is, is not a walk in the park for anybody. That's a tough dude. Very well-rounded, slick submissions, good, solid stand-up. Um, he, he's not going to fall for any, like, fuckery on the feet, like any stupid uh, dog and pony tricks. Um, yeah. I, I think that'll be fun, but... Yeah, and uh, Hanato Moicano and uh, Hadzovic. That's going to be a fun one, too. Um, yeah, I'm really the, – like, the more I'm looking at this, I'm like, fuck, I want to see every one of these fights. Um, so this is going to be – this is going to be a really fun card. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I don't know if this is going to be one of those, like, weird time ones where they just, like, have it at 4 o'clock in the morning for no reason. Um but I think it's uh it's probably gonna be regular start time. But yeah, it's gonna be a fun one, Jeff. You got uh anything else you want to get off your chest here? No, I'm excited for this card, man. And I think it's gonna be eight to ten for the main card, which is really nice because you know I like my sleep, Bill. That is fantastic. Uh, might actually make it through this one. <laughs> I was uh had a rough week this week and. Uh, you know, kiddo, kiddo's been waking up earlier and earlier, so uh, maybe with this time change, she'll she'll get herself on a on a better schedule. But yeah, didn't make it to. I I haven't missed a main event in a while, Jeff. But I was out cold, man. I was sitting there watching it, and then the next thing, I woke up looking at the lights. Uh, <laughs> You know, much like Tricard Close probably last night. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't blame you, Bill, because last night's main event was horrifying. Yeah, that probably didn't help. That Adesanya walkout started to make me doze off. And then that first round, I was like, is this, is this looking at each other? And out, out. Maybe if I have trouble sleeping tonight, I'll put it back on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that, it'll definitely help. But yeah, I was just. Let down, man. It was Romero's last title shot. 
I doubt I'll get another one at 185. Yeah, probably not. Um, I mean, you never know. Like, he technically shouldn't have even gotten this one. He's coming off a loss. Uh, so anything can happen. Uh, Apparently, yeah. All you got to do is stay ready. Um, so there we go. All right. So uh, once again, Half Acre Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Keep an eye out for them at uh, your local craft beer spot or wherever you go to get your uh, sudsy beverages. Uh, good stuff there. It's got the, uh, the Bill Welker stamp of approval. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, reach out to us if uh, if you have any comments on the show or you have any suggestions for improving or any criticisms or anything, really. Talk to us about anything. You can get a hold of Jeff and Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to give the animal a follow on Instagram. Encourage them to, to post some more on there, too, while you're at it. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks and all your favorite social media platforms. Wherever you're listening or enjoying the show, please give us a like. Give us a uh, subscribe. Please give us a rating. Uh, helps other people find the show. Uh, and, and write a review with your weight, with your uh, rating, too. Uh, I always like to uh, to read the ratings people leave. And, and if you want to leave a funny one and roast us, go ahead. Just make sure you leave us five stars. And if it's funny enough, I'll read it on the air. Um that's it, man. That's all we got. So we're going to sign off here, and we're looking forward to a fun fight night next week. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.